1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All
0: night, all night, all all all
3: Welcome back. Pudol Sports with you up until 1 o'clock on this Labor Day. Shout out to everybody putting in the hours today. Can't do it without you. Appreciate it. Big Mike doing all the hard work back at our studios today. Nats are off back in action tomorrow against the New York Mets. Charlie and Dave will have the action coming up tomorrow night, 7.05. I'll have Nats talk live. The Nets two nights with you. As well, pleased to break down some college football here and great storylines over the weekend with my co-host of the It's College Football podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. With my guy Joe Miller, Mr. Miller, how are you, sir?
4: I am doing well, Pete. How are you doing?
3: Look, man, when when you and I don't have a football game to broadcast on a weekend, it's good for us. It's one of the rare weekends where we get to take in a lot of live product. I had to tape uh, the Colorado game uh, because of an assignment on Saturday and. Watching it back look, you and I talked about this last week on the show. You know I'm all in on prime. I think there's too much pride for him as a football player and football guy to just, you know, come out here and, and be more than a hype guy. But sure. man, did his team deliver on Saturday? And I gotta be I gotta admit, as much as I'm in on prime, I didn't expect that. I thought they could compete. I thought certainly thought they could cover twenty. But yeah. I didn't expect that, man. And Look, one of the more underrated parts of this, and and you know this because you and I talk football all the time, Sean Lewis left the head coaching job in the MAC to be Prime's offensive coordinator, and he's not getting enough love for what that offense did this weekend. It was something to watch.
4: Well, we talked about it in the preview in the game. You know, we talked about the offense. We thought the offense was going to be there. I mean, I I think if you look at the names of the guys there, the only question was how is that offensive line going to hold up? And I thought... In watching the game, I thought the biggest part that surprised me more than anything is how well they did in pass pro. Now, running, they didn't really run the ball that great at times. I mean, there was a couple of plays here and there, but I thought the offensive line, which you heard coming into the week, you know, you know Coach Prime was getting upset because one of his players wasn't going to be eligible because of multiple transfers and all this stuff. You thought, well, maybe there's a little smoke behind. Uh, maybe they're really concerned about the offensive line, but I thought the offensive line held up pretty well for the most part. Now, TCU... You know, we talked about in this preview that, you know, I thought they would be better on defense. This is not a lockdown defense by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, one of the worst defenses, if you look at statistically to reach the national championship game, you know, they gave up 29 points per game last year. I thought they would be better, but I thought what Colorado did was what you need to do against TCU is, is sort of spread them out and sort of make them defend all those weapons that Colorado had. They couldn't. And Shador Sanders was fantastic. I mean, Right on third down, I think it was 7 of 9 on third down. Uh, they got some big plays. There were some mistakes made by TCU. And it was, a, it was a huge day for Colorado. I mean, as I said, massively impressed by the offensive line. I thought, you know, going in, we knew that the offense would score points. Uh, they certainly did that. I mean, the defense, I think, is still a work in progress. I mean, I think you saw, especially when you got inside the red zone, TCU could pretty much run the ball at will against them. I still think big picture them stopping the run is going to be the biggest issue for them going forward. I still don't think this is a, you know, Pete, you saw, and look, this is the hype train that starts to go after this. You saw the Heisman Trophy conversation. You saw, hey, can it be Florida State versus Colorado in the national championship team game? Look, I I tip my cap. I'm more of a skeptical, uh, as you're more of a uh, cheerleader for prime. I'm more of a skeptic, I think, on how this is all going to play out, just because – What's the big What's the big picture here? How many years he's going to be there? That's what I'm concerned about. Like long term, what's this going to look like? Uh, is it just a short term thing? Is it just a, a season? Is it just two? Is it Is he trying to build something significant here? Um, but I, I feel like when you look at the overall situation there, that at the end of the day, it's a huge win for them. I still. You know, I think their win total was like four and a half, five when you looked at it. I think they're going to go over that. But I don't know if this is, and maybe Deion would call me out as I'm not a believer, but I I don't know if this team is a team that can get to, uh, you know, eight, nine wins.
3: Key is obviously, you know, you have to win at home versus Nebraska this week, and then you got to win at home against Colorado State. If you win those two games, you're 3 0 going into the two massive games on your schedule. I mean, at Oregon, and then home against USC are just, I mean, look, those two teams have shown us already they got the goods. I mean, we know those are going to be good teams. Those rosters are really good. Um, You know, look, at this point, to me, Arizona State, Stanford, Arizona, um, even Washington State becomes a 50-50 game for me now. But, look, I mean, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Oregon State, and Utah, to me, are the five games that if they go, if they go three and two in those games, Joe, then yeah. they get to eight or nine wins. But as we've seen already, Utah's legit, and we believe Oregon and USC are
4: legit. Well, that's the ironic part of all this, Pete. Is the Pac-12 is dissolving, and it might be the best conference. It's great. Right. Yes. <laughs> Like, this is the crazy thing about all the, all the stuff that's going on. Washington State's a really good team. I mean, they took a, I, know, I know nobody really paid attention, but they took apart a Colorado State team that some people think that can compete in the Mountain West and they, they had no problem with them. Um, you know, I, I think you look at the, the, the two things that I go back to, Pete, and not to, to belabor this point, but we talk about it all the time. Can you run the football and can you stop the run? And I know everybody wants to talk about, hey, we run 79 plays and we throw the ball 47 times. But essentially college football and any type of football, if you don't do those things well, you're, you're able to exploit those, <laughs> those situations. So for me, when you look at them big picture, I think they're always going to be hitting up against that ceiling of whether or not they can run the ball consistently enough to keep teams honest and can they stop people from running the football. That's why you look at the team and you go, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to watch. You know, Coach Prime is going to keep it interesting the entire time. But seven, eight wins—can you get to nine? It's a really difficult conference. I mean, you look at what Washington did to Boise State, and I think Boise State's. We talked about this in the, in the podcast. I think Boise State's going to be a, a a pretty decent team this year. It was just a bad matchup for them against Washington. Young secondary—you saw exploited early and often in that game. But Washington. I mean, Pete. That's a that's a really good football team. Utah, when they get Cam Rising back, it's a really good football team. Obviously, we know about what USC can do offensively, and maybe you look at UCLA now. You get more in there playing more as the season progresses. As the top recruit, it was one of the top recruits in college football, uh, and 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 maybe you see as the season progresses more Dante Moore and less Ethan Garbers, and then you start to talk about UCLA a little bit more. I mean, it's a really good conference, and it's not going to be an easy. Easy stretch for Colorado. But as you mentioned, you get those out of conference games. You got to win those games. Keep the momentum going as fast as you can. I will, it will be interesting to see how they, I think the most interesting part of their season is going to be what do they look like after they lose their first game the next week? What does this team look like? Uh, and and that's going to be huge. It's always a test for any coach, especially when you get this much emotion and build up at the beginning of the season and sort of the excitement level around this team is how do you maintain that through a, you know, a 12 game season?
3: Travis Hunter, amazing talent. We knew that coming in. the fact that Dion got him to go to Jackson State with him in the first place uh, was certainly well-publicized. But, I mean, look, the dude is legit. Um, you know, guy's got skill to play either side of the football. Uh, whichever one he chooses to, uh, you know, play in the pros, maybe he does what Dion does and, and sampled both sides of the football. Who knows? But, you know, I think if you watch, you know, Jackson State a year ago, A, we knew what Hunter was. But I think if you did a deep dive on Shador Sanders, that when there's pass protection, Joe, this kid does make. He makes the throws. He gets the ball on time. He throws it where receivers are catching it out in front with their hands. He does all the things fundamentally right as a quarterback when he does get that pass protection. And with that stable of receivers, that in itself goes back to your point about the offensive line. If they do get reasonable pass protection – it's going to be a fun offense. It's going to be an offense that puts up a lot of numbers. Ultimately, can the hype that will surround Colorado in terms of the Heisman stuff overcome the lead that Caleb Williams has at the start of the season? Just like with the polls, you know, we're kind of like, oh, okay, is this team really the number one team or the number five team? You know, he who starts with the lead has to be caught. And the question is. Can any of these guys and can anybody else around college football catch Caleb Williams? Because not only did he start the season with the lead, but, oh, his first couple of opening acts have been just fine.
4: Yeah, and, you know, just to circle back on Shadir Sanders, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. I talked to somebody that saw him, you know, play a couple times in person and said, look, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a huge NFL-type arm, but he's incredibly smart. He knows where the ball's going to go, and he's been, you know, he's been, really well-schooled in what he needs to do and gets the ball out quickly. And you saw that on Saturday, the quick release, sort of the understanding of the game and figuring out where I needed to get this football and getting it out in a quick manner, which you talked about with Sean Lewis as their offensive coordinator. So I think from Sanders' perspective, I mean, it was an A-plus. There's no doubt about that when you throw for over 500 yards. Um, as far as, you know, trying to track down Caleb Williams, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, the hype train around Caleb Williams is, is, is obviously huge because of what he did Last season um, and sort of the start of this season, uh, but you know, look, USC as a team to me, the, the while a lot of the attention is on Caleb Williams and rightfully so. This is a team that needs to win games, Pete. You know, this is a team that hasn't had team success in a long time. So ultimately, yeah, it's great about the Heisman talk and you know that gets you know people talking about this team. But this is still a team that lost three games last year, including their last two in the season, and. Honestly, probably should have lost the, you know, when you look at the the Utah games, losing both those games, there's a couple other games where early in the season, you know, they they found themselves down in in Oregon State. They probably, you know, they kind of pulled that one out of nowhere. So as a team, look, great. Caleb Williams wins another Heisman. Fantastic. If he goes out and does that, that's great. But to me, you know, this is a team that lost three times, and for Lincoln Riley, he's been here, done that before. Great offenses figure out what they are on defense. I, I mean I'm not gonna sit here and go, I don't really care about what the Heisman is for Caleb Williams, but to me, the ultimate test about what this USC team is, and he can't play defense though, so I'll give him I'll give you that, is what is the team success for this team as we just talked about in a very difficult Pac twelve this season. You know, they they get Utah at home, they get Washington at home, they gotta go to Notre Dame they got to go to Colorado. That looks like a much more difficult task at this point. they got to go to Oregon. To me, great. Caleb Williams ultimately wins another Heisman. If you say that's going to happen, I'll be like, okay, great. What does the team success look like for this team? And, and I think that, to me, is the, the bigger question, for not only for Caleb Williams, but it's maybe a bigger question for Lincoln Riley and USC. Yes, you put up 66 against Nevada. Fantastic. You're probably not going to be challenged much in your next couple of games. He's going to put up huge numbers. He's going to have a big lead, but can you go to South Bend? Can you beat, finally beat Cam Rising? I told you, like I've said it before, Cam Rising has outplayed Caleb Williams in both games last season. Better quarterback than Caleb Williams in both of those games. He won the Heisman. You get the, you get the logs for that, but can you beat Utah? Can you beat Cam Rising if he's healthy? There's still some, you know, things for them to figure out, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it, you know, at the end of the day, if you win the highs and you're the number one draft pick, whatever, that's great. It is fantastic. Um, but I think for Lincoln Riley, he's got to look at this as, like, team success is paramount for them uh, this season. Close the book on
3: Colorado on this point. Do you think people are shocked? Maybe shocked is a strong word. That Dion has so much pride in this and is taking this coaching thing, at least on the surface, so seriously, because I think there are people that just assumed, you know, he's, he's, he's prime. We, we Look, he's prime. We know him because he was the best. He was like a wrestling guy. He was the best guy at selling himself while he was in the NFL maybe that we've ever seen. And sure. I believe that he's taking this, this coaching thing much more seriously with a lot more pride than a lot of people are thinking. I think they're caught off guard by this.
4: Well, it's funny because I think, you know, I was having this conversation the other day because I think the, 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 the persona, as you just mentioned, sort of the wrestling part of this that he has is, is sort of bigger than life. I mean, I was talking to somebody that said, look, this, you know, Dion's won everywhere he's gone. Uh, and, and I'm like, well, Back it up a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember the Atlanta Falcons. He wasn't winning everywhere. He was, you know, I remember as a baseball player. He was a very good baseball player. Um, you know, he did win two Super Bowl championships, but to say he's won everywhere, did he win everywhere with the 2000 Redskins? Was that team that won everything? I mean, the Ravens in 2004, 2005. I mean, look, he, he had a successful NFL career and sort of his persona is sort of bigger than life. I mean, he's certainly a winner. Don't take me. Don't take that the you know he's one of the greatest defensive cornerbacks of all time. But I think the the the, the thought of Dion and his image and his career is sort of bigger and outsourced than than what it is in in reality. And I think what you see here, to me, the question has always been, what is the the long game here? How long does he want to be a head coach at Colorado? What what is he building towards? Is this something that you know he goes to the NFL? What you know. That is, to me, the ultimate question here, and I think there's no doubt, like, as you saw in the press conference afterwards, he's an incredibly motivated person here to have success, not only for him, but for the people that believe in him, the people that hired him in Colorado, the people that believed in him before at Jackson State. Um, so, there's a there's an intrinsic motivation that is the reason why he was one of the greatest football players of all time and played Major League Baseball was able to do both at a high level. It's the the question to me is when when there's some rocky times, what does that look like for this team and what does it look like for him as a coach? And that's the ultimate test of all this stuff. I mean, <laughs> until you go through that, I don't think you know what it looks like on the back end. And it's great to, you know, have the success. You know, I, I thought it was, look, in, in two situations there, that press conference was once revealing and sort of congratulations, like we've done it. But then it's also part of me is sitting there going, "You got 11 more weeks of this. This is not the national championship game. This is not the um, this is not the end. This is the beginning." So I think there's still more to be said about this. But I don't think there's any doubt that if he's going to put his name to something, that there's going to be a certain amount of pride that is aligned with what he's trying to accomplish. Um, and I think you've seen that so far. And I think the biggest motivation for him is to prove people wrong, <laughs> yeah. which sometimes can be a, a huge motivating factor. Um, I just want to see it play out. I'm not one of these people that says, okay, um, you know, he's ready for the NFL right now. They're going to be contend for a national championship this year. Um Let's wait and see, but that's not what we do in 2023.
3: (laughs) That's true. And and you know what? I I think a lot of people forget another, uh, I think, really good African-American coach, Trey Oliver, at North Carolina Central beat them in the Celebration Bowl last year. So, uh, you know, when you talk about the – Winning at everything, you got to give Trey Oliver a lot of credit for that win in that Celebration Bowl game because nobody gave them a chance. Everybody was on the Jackson State hype train last year. Trey and North Carolina uh, Central got the job done. You got time to stay for another segment because I want to get to I want to get to that game last night uh, as well. Sure, can do. All right, All right Joe Miller, we'll stick around for another segment. We'll talk about Florida State's win last night and a big statement that they made as well. And there's an intriguing game coming up in the area. This Saturday, we'll talk about that as well next right here on 106.7.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast
3: as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Welcome back. Shout out to all of you working on Labor Day. If you missed the last segment, Joe Miller and I touched on Coach Prime and the Colorado performance over the weekend. The other big performance was last night and if you follow the show i was on the right side of florida state lsu i went with the fighting mike norvell's in the plus two and a half last night not only did they cover they won out right in a romp in the second half look i mean joe we know mike a lot uh, from you know coach being around him when navy played memphis and obviously brian kelly as well with all the times Navy's played notre dame last year was a storybook game Uh, between those two teams last night in the second half and got to give you a tip of the cap here you are on jordan travis probably a lot more than other people last year man if if last night is what you're getting from florida state not only offensively but defensively there's no doubt seminoles are finally back i think is one of the top you know five or six teams here in college football
4: yeah i i I would say that i was thinking last night with all the times we've said hey uh, texas is back i think uh, you know, and they haven't been back. I think that, you know, I'm comfortable in saying that Florida State might be back at this point with, you know, arguably to me, um, you know, not only the fact that they put up 45 points and what Jordan Travis did. I mean, the fact that uh, defensively I thought they were incredibly strong down the stretch. I mean, it's a crazy game. I mean, I, I still I still am trying to figure out why Jane Daniels, you look at his carries – Pete, the LSU quarterback, he had 15. Everybody else had 12 uh, in the game. I'm still trying to figure out what LSU is necessarily doing with the Jaden Daniels and why they consider him like a must-run guy all the time. Uh, and, look, a lot of that is, is certainly um, is is out of the pocket and in pressure. But my one question coming into the season for Florida State was sort of what they were going to be defensively. And I was really impressed. I mean, I, I thought they – Obviously, they got one star on the defensive side of the football field, but they have some young guys in the secondary, some guys that they're bringing in in transfers. And you know, you talk about watching college football this week. I mean, it, every game eternal, on it's you know, this guy came from here. I mean, it is like you know, so you're you're trying to mesh all these guys together within the same um with within the same unit. And I thought defensively, you know, there was a couple letdowns. I thought in, you know midway through the third quarter. Daniels had a, you know, a long pass play that he kind of short-armed a little bit that could have, I thought was the, like, one of the turning points of the game. Florida State got to the stop there. They went down, scored again. They didn't, you know, LSU could not stop them in the second half. When I looked at this game before, you know, they played, I thought LSU defensively would have the advantage. That was certainly not the case. Um, you know, Jordan Travis, four touchdowns, 342. Obviously, you look at the performance you get from the Michigan State transferring Keon Coleman inside the red zone. He's going to be somebody that uh, teams are going to have to deal with all season long. Uh, and they already had Johnny Wilson on the outside too. I mean, you look at this Florida State team. I still think one of the things that got them a couple times last season was run defense. LSU, you know, did a couple things in the run game. I, I still don't know if that's like an, you know, when you look at Florida State's defensively, Team defensively, that's still you know uh, a, you know a unit that you look on and you go, okay, we can't run we can't run against this team. I think teams will try to do that, but I think for the most part, when you look at the result last night, I think you tend to think that Mike Norvell's got the group that you know they, they go to Clemson in a couple weeks that that can contend for for a national um, tournament berth, the Final Four berth, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think they're they're back in the mix. I, I think they're back and. Last night was a, uh, an example of where this program has gotten to the point now where depth has always been a question since Jameis Winston and that group left. And I think you saw some depth there defensively. They've got some guys there that can play. Uh, it's not a perfect team. I, I don't think they're to that extent, but they're certainly a team that is in going to be in the mix all year. And I, I think, you know, we'll see what Clemson does tonight against Duke, but I think you have to. After that performance, put them as the favorites in the ACC.
3: Well, you you mentioned the depth. I mean, look, we know what they had in verse. Ironically, verse a transfer from Albany uh, and a guy you know (laughs) two years ago. (laughs) Yeah, looks like a Power Five football player. But you mentioned the depth. It's guys like Briggs, Farmer, Lundy. I mean, Brown. They were all you know. I mean, Florida State had guys you know all over the defensive side making plays, particularly in the second half. And you know, Harold Perkins on the other side was. I mean, look. That's that's LSU's defensive playmaker, and he. I mean, he just he was just kind of blah last night. He didn't do anything that really super impacted the game. And Florida State scores thirty-one points in the second half.
4: So, well, the, the big difference, Pete, in the ACC over the last six, seven years is Clemson's offensive and defensive line. They have just not looked like any other unit in the ACC. Nobody's been able to compete with those type of units. You maybe you had one of those, but you never had both sides of the ball of the ACC. I mean, we talk about Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and all those weapons on the outside, but the reality of the story is Clemson's front seven was not even, was beating everybody up and there was nobody that could come close to it. Depth wise, skill wise, talent wise, yes. It's great to have first-round draft picks, at quarterback, and running back, and wide receiver. But the difference at Clemson and the ACC is their offensive line and defensive lines were, were units, were real college upper echelon units, and Florida State is getting to that point. I don't know if they're there just yet, but I think the point that you just made is the, is the important one. Late third quarter, fourth quarter, Florida State looked fresh. LSU looked down and out in the game. And to me, that's where – Florida State got their most pass rush was late in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Brian Kelly was always a guy that had a great offensive line at at Notre Dame. It was always one of the best. It was, you know, one of the top five in the country each and every year. And he just hasn't had that at LSU at this point. And they've gotten by. But I still can't believe that they're so determined to have – Jaden Daniels run the ball so much; it just they've got running backs. It's not like they don't recruit running backs. <laughs> and I thought at times Williams had a couple good runs. I, I just don't know, you know, what exactly sometimes they get away from it, or maybe it's Jaden Daniels. I'm not sure. I love Jaden Daniels; think he's a good quarterback. But it, the, the the fact that he runs the ball 15 to 20 times a game just blows my mind sometimes.
3: Yeah, I mean Josh Williams is fine. I mean he had a 35 yarder and. Uh, in, in the game last night, and could certainly do the job. Daniels, of course, I, I, I think. Look, I mean, if Daniels does stuff and it's off schedule and everything, sure, that's great. But having so many designed runs for him is not going to keep him healthy at quarterback. Uh, and you know, think about this: not the best of opening weekends for the SEC. I mean, they they took some games on the chin uh, th- this weekend, and I, I think everybody noticed, quite frankly, uh, as well. So. It'll be interesting to see how that is going forward. I want to touch on the one local game coming up this week, and obviously Navy will play Wagner in Annapolis. You and I will be doing that game. But Biff Biff Posey comes back, and this game gets NBC attention this week. And he wore the hoodie with no sleeves uh, the other night uh, in their game. I'm fascinated by this game coming up uh, this week with Biff bringing all the former St. Francis players back up here uh, to take on Maryland. Maryland, of course, taking your alma mater uh, to task the other night, 38-6. I mean, it, 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 that game is supposed to be like that when it's uh, Power 5 sure. versus uh, FCS. But, you know, I, I, I'm not saying Charlotte's even covering in this game. I'm just intrigued by the storyline of Biff, you know, being at Gilman in St. Francis for so long, obviously been on the Michigan staff the last few years, Bring in this Charlotte outfit up here. I'll be interested to see what this looks like coming up on Saturday night.
4: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Charlotte didn't, you know, they had kind of a slow start and eventually kind of wore down um, on Saturday and got the victory for them. Maryland, you know, I think the question. Look, we know Tonga Valoa, Talia Tonga Valoa is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten this season. Maybe one of the better quarterbacks in all of college football. And you know. Uh, you got a great tight end. You got some talented running backs. You got some talented wide receivers. Eventually, you know, the question is going to be is, you know, can, defensively, can you get that pass rush offensive line? Can you protect Tonga Vailoa as the season progresses? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's some great storylines, uh, for Charlotte. And, uh, you yeah, know, I, I saw the people that were like, why, why is this guy wearing cutoff <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is, you know, he look, he wants to be comfortable on the sideline. That's what his, that's what his deal is. I mean, and look to, to pick up the victory. I think for for Charlotte in the first the opening game of the season. Look, I, I think you know. Look, South Carolina State. You, know, you beat them twenty four to three. You go to Maryland. They still got to go to Florida this season. They've got some they got some tough out of conference games, but it's a good start for them. And I think for Maryland, it's a good start. You know, it's interesting when you look at the Big Ten overall this weekend. And um, you mentioned the SEC. I don't think we you know the, the, I think the two storylines coming out of this first week are you know the consternation about the, n- the new time and rules i was kind of surprised at how many people were going crazy about that and we talked about this at the beginning of the season you look at the top teams they were all breaking in new quarterbacks and i don't think you know milrow probably played the best of the the bunch um but i don't think anybody left this weekend going georgia's got a quarterback <laughs> alabama's got a quarterback ohio state's got a quarterback we'll see after We play, you know, three or four weeks in the season, but I think the one thing you looked at this first week and you didn't you didn't necessarily say check mark that's not going to be a problem for any of those teams after the first week of the season. No doubt,
3: pal. Appreciate you. We'll uh, see you on Saturday.
4: All right, man. Talk to you later.
3: You got it, Joe Miller, co-host of the It's College Football Podcast, and of course my color analyst on the Navy Football Network. And I mean, look, great opening statements for Dion for Mike Norvell in Florida State. And Clemson now, I think, on notice tonight. And I think Duke is really good. Joe and I broadcasted the Military Bowl last year. We had Duke in that game. Riley Leonard, uh, terrific college football quarterback. You're going to get to know a lot more. Young guy, played very well last year. And, um, you know, that's a, a situation there. That's another great up-and-coming coach. And Mike Elko, uh, a, as a head coach, he did a phenomenal job. Duke was, was pretty wretched when he took it over. And uh, now... Last year, got them a bowl game victory in the Military Bowl, and big spotlight game. Who would have ever thought we'd see Duke in prime time against Clemson? But it's because you got Riley Leonard. You had a good season last year. I think it's going to be a good football game tonight there. Coming up, obviously, we obviously get back into the season opener for Washington. We'll take some more of your calls at one 800 But I'll ask you, I mean, you, you guys are very observant football fans. And, yes, Dion Dion while a player, was the Ric Flair of the NFL. No one did a better job of promoting himself and backing it up. So you can talk, you can talk that game, but then not back it up. Well, Ric Flair did that. Deion Sanders did that. But now, as a coach, are you? Do you think people are taken aback that Deion is showing as much pride in this that he that he is as a head coach? And, yeah, you, we, we could debate whether him taking people to task. Who I mean, look, they were a 20-point underdog this week. Vegas didn't even believe. Some of us believed in him, but a lot of people didn't. He's taking it very seriously. There's a lot of pride there in Deion Sanders now in this coaching thing, and uh, I'll be fascinated to watch it uh, going forward here. But are you surprised that Dion has taken this coaching thing as seriously as he has because he certainly seems to be bought in 1-800-636-1067 me with you to one right here on 1067
0: we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25
1: dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
0: can be touched, can be stopped, can be moved,
3: can be can be shook. Back on a Labor Day Monday with you to one, the true canine, former fourth round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals and Super Bowl champion. Think about that. Think about that. You have the opportunity when you tune into this family of stations to get multiple Super Bowl champions who. Come to the radio to talk about this game. Doc Walker follows us a- at one o'clock. Think about that. Super Bowl champions. Okay, not just not just some slackies that you know got into maybe two or three plays a game. You know, special teamer. who was on. He was on. You know, he was a backup on punt return. You know, he was a fifty-second guy on the team. No, that's not the case. You get access to two incredible Super Bowl champions uh, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, when you talk about football here. Between Brian Mitchell and Doc Walker, Doc coming up at one o'clock. He'll be taking your calls as we are one eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. you get to us here on a Labor Day Monday. And look, I mean, what we what we talk about, you know, football wise, and um, I look at Deion Sanders as a guy that has taken not only what he's doing at Colorado, but if you go back and you watch some of the games that he coached at Jackson State. There, he prime is all in on this. There's no doubt about that. Did, you know, did he? Was he maybe a little exuberant at going after people that didn't think they were believers this weekend? We could debate that, but uh, there is so much pride in what he's doing, what his kids are doing on both sides of the football uh, there. And if you you watched the Jackson State games last year, you knew. You knew that it was more than just Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter. You know, they were co- they, they, they coached the entire football team. And sometimes, and, and we talk about this in youth sports a lot, you know, daddy ball, as, as we like to call it. You know, dads will coach youth football. They'll play their kid at quarterback, even though their kid has no business playing the quarterback position whatsoever. And you dads are out there. You know what I'm talking about because you're doing it, even though your kid's not a quarterback. Um so it's, it's one of those, those situations where people are thinking, all right, well, Deion's just doing this because he's kid and stuff like that. And, but Dion's bought in on the whole team. He's, he's bought in on the, the entire team. It's not just Shador. It's not just Travis Hunter. It's not just Orr at the wide receiver spot. It's the whole team because there's a hunger. And whether Dion wants to do this at the NFL level or not remains to be seen. But if they have a successful season at Colorado, and the opening act was spectacular, you know there's going to be, you know there's going to be an NFL team that says, you know what, we need a, we need a, a, an IV here, we need an infusion in our franchise, and maybe maybe Dion's the guy to give us that. But as you heard Joe Miller and I talking about, the most underrated part of this, Sean Lewis was a head coach in the MAC. He left that head coaching position to go be the offensive coordinator at Colorado. How good did that offense look on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, tip of the cap to that guy, too. Sean Lewis did a phenomenal job. Let's get to the phones. 1-800-636-1067. My man Lap is on the line. Lap, long time, buddy. What's happening?
2: Hey, hey, what's up, Pete? Hey, man, tell, um, I told Rooster, man, to so smack him in the back of the head for me, man. I told him to tell you I said what's up. So I figured he ain't tell you the message, so at least I got to talk to you now, man. So I hope you're doing well. And tell him too he owes me a drink. I haven't got my drink. He tried to get me some old Mountain Dew. But uh <laughs> he owes me a drink, so <laughs> just let him know for me, man. But um yeah, what, what Prime did was was awesome, man. You know, I, I was one, I was wishing we could have got him here the head coach, you know, a while back. And like you said, it is gonna be some opportunities for him possibly be a head coach uh in the NFL. I know he was saying that um, one of the interviews, I think the mindset is different. Just how he, you know, you know, you talking to grown men that's, that's paid, so it's easier to talk to. I guess kids for them, the more relatable to you. But I think if if anybody be behind prime, whether you old or young man, you you know what he brings, and you'll respect that. So it was a good win for him, man. I'm excited about the commanders, man. I want to see Sam How boogie this year and really shock the world. The way Ron handled it last year, where, you know, when we lost the Giants games, he should have been in the, the rest of the season from the 49ers, even that second Giants game, all the way down to Dallas. You know, I I, I didn't want to see Carson Wentz or um, Hanneke again, you know. So I'm happy he's getting opportunity. We got a lot of talent on this team, man. And I think that attendance, because you have brought it up too, Pete, I think that's going to change, man, um, especially with the owner being out, you know, the new direction we're going um, it's going to be exciting, man. So, I'm excited. hope they compete. Um, I still want Ryan Rivera God. I want Eric Biennabee to be the head coach. And maybe that other guy that um, one of the callers mentioned on the last, um, with Lunel about the guy from Atlanta. But uh, we'll see, man. But I'm excited, man. Get them receivers going. That defense holds up. I want to see the tight ends get some more involvement. And the running backs, too. And uh, go from there, man. Let's see if we can put up some points, man. it be exciting this year.
3: You got it. I appreciate the call as always. And, and look, I, I think even in what we've seen in limited sample in the preseason, because teams aren't going to show you maybe more than twenty percent, because obviously they got to work on some things. You want to work on some things at game speed. Uh, I watched the workout up there against the Ravens when the ones were going against the ones, and Sam Howell, despite being rushed. By Baltimore's defensive front, and that's where the look. Let, let's Sam. If Sam has the ability to set his feet, throw the ball on time, that ball's getting to where it's going. Probably sixty-five to sixty-six percent of the time for Sam Howell this year, maybe even more. Because watching the ones versus the ones before Marlon Humphrey got hurt, and then Baltimore, the rest of Baltimore's secondary was shredded. They didn't. They they were not even participating in the workout. But if Sam Howell didn't look good against those guys, then you'd have reason for concern. Sam was making plays off schedule because of that pass rush. He was making things happen. And where, as Eric B. gets even more tape to break down from games and figures out, hey, instinctively, I like what Sam is doing here. Let me incorporate more of this. Because you, you, you subtract and add things that you find out, hey, my unit can do this. My unit can't do that. That's where I'm fascinated to see the biggest growth during the regular season as to what Eric Bieniemy continues to add to the package and then what he takes out based on what his team can execute. I think it's going to be a fascinating season if they can keep a lot of the key people healthy. Not only the skill people, but with offensive line depth being challenged like it is, they've got to keep the people up front that they have as healthy as possible for this team to have any modicum of success. A, in a tough division and certainly in a very tough National Football League. Final hour to go. Why is it okay if Jahan Dotson ends up being better than Terry McLaurin? Some of you have hypothesized about that during the summer. We'll talk about why that's a good thing coming up next. 1-800-636-1067. Pete Methurst
1: in for J.P. and Brian right here on 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,